0: You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. You know, I've been thinking about journeys, trips that we take in life. And there's no journey like journeying with God. You can take a vacation, but if God's not with you, it's not going to be near as much fun. You know, I remember one particular trip that I took with um, some of my family it was actually near here. It near here somewhere. And my family decided to go for a tube down a river. I don't know if you've ever tubed down a river. Well, I can't remember now, I was quite young. I was maybe like eight or 10. And my uncle had a friend who used to do canoe tours. And he used to do this two hour trek on a by canoe down this river. And um, so he told my uncle about, you know, where to start, drop off your tubes, where to park your car to get picked up so that you can get back to to other vehicles. And we were all set to go and there's a group of us, I think there's probably like 10 kids. We had um, a group of adults. We went with some snacks. We went with a few drinks. And we sat down and, on the edge of the, this river, and we started to go. And uh, the first hour was just beautiful. We're all just having fun, just floating down the river. And then the second hour came, and some of the kids were starting to go, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, like, where's the car? And, and our parents were like, well, it's OK. It'll be soon. He said, it's a two-hour trip. The problem with that was it was a two-hour trip by canoe. And I don't know if you've ever been in a canoe, but those things can, be, can get going pretty fast. You have a, a way to propel yourself forward with paddles. When you're tubing, you're completely at the mercy of the river. And the problem is, is that some of the rivers around here stop becoming like a mighty flowing river and they seem more like you're just resting in a swamp. It's like you're like not even sure if the water's moving at all. And we got into this area where it was just swampish. And all of our tubes kept, kept getting caught up on the reeds. And my dad hopped out of his tube and started pulling all the tubes. We connected all our tubes together. He started pulling the tubes through until we got to a bit more of a current. And as we started... The current, again, we started down the river and two hours turned into three hours, turned into four hours. Eight hours later, (laughs) the sun is starting to go down. The mosquitoes are coming out, we're not prepared. Most of us don't even have shoes. And we're thinking, what are we gonna do? And then my uncle starts talking about one time when he was 16, and got caught in the woods and had to camp out somewhere and we might have to do that again and us kids are just horrified. Like, what? We were gonna be camping on the side of the river? But so sh- surely enough, we're, we're staying pretty close to shore. We're slowly going down the river. It's really starting to get dark now. We're starting to hear weird noises coming from the trees that we didn't notice an hour before. And way, way out at the top of the hill, we see a light. There's a house, a light on top of a hill. And we start all getting excited, like, whew, we found some refuge. There's going to be someone up there that can save us from our calamity of epic proportions for us, all these kids being eaten by mosquitoes. And so we go to the edge of the river, just down from where the light was. And as a family, we we just left our tubes and started climbing up with bare feet, shorts. Some of us didn't even have T-shirts on. Getting eaten by mosquitoes, crawling through dense bush, And finally, we found this little cutout, but it wasn't really a cutout. It was just the people had cut down a bunch of trees so that they'd have a view. And so all the logs were just left there, piled on top of one another. So I thought it was like, woohoo, we found a clearing. It's going to be easy, but no, it just got worse because now you're climbing up and over down trees in the dark. This is back before everybody had cell phones. So it wasn't that we didn't have cell phone reception. We just didn't have phones. I know it's hard to imagine for some of you young people going somewhere without a phone. That's just... It's crazy, but we get up to the top of the hill and and sure enough, there was a a family there and it was their home and they were really kind. They let us come into their home. They fed us toast, I remember. I I don't know, I feel like this guy somehow had a connection with Wonder Bread, like maybe he drove the Wonder Bread truck or something, because he had piles of bread. He was just giving us bread and, um, and some hot chocolate and then he ended up taking my uncle to go get his vehicle and the parents got all their vehicles and they drove back and we were saved. It was a wonderful experience, but I don't know if you've ever gone through something like that where you thought something was gonna take this amount of time and it ends up taking this amount of time. That happens with me every time I get up to preach. (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm not gonna be long-winded today. Um, But you know what I mean? It can be hard not to be impatient when we have an expectation that something is gonna take this much time, and it takes so much longer. You know, sometimes in our Christian walks, the process of maturing and coming to the place where we arrive, quote unquote, takes a while. You know, the process of spiritual growth and maturity is is a long one. It's a journey of sorts. You know, sometimes the Christian life is kind of like a two bride down a river. You know, we begin this journey by believing in Christ, by putting our faith in him. And then we begin by joining with others who are also on a journey with Jesus. And you start going down the river together as a family. In the church, we call that the church. We are the people who are followers of Jesus and we make up the church. You know, the journey that we're on as, a, as Christians is a journey that was always intended to be done alongside with others. And we go tubing down this river, and like I said, we're at the mercy of the river. We're just flowing with the river. There's nothing we can do to make that river flow faster. There's nothing that we can do to just make the river stop. We simply go wherever the river takes us. You know, likewise, we cannot fast track our growth and maturity beyond what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. just like we can't make something that's gonna last eight hours like that tubing trip, the two that we were promised. Um, you know, it is a process. You know, we're called to be men and women who are led by the Spirit. And God, like we sung about this morning, is doing a work in our lives. And we get to go on this amazing journey with Jesus. You know, there's no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. I don't know if there's any of you that like shortcuts. Are there any people that went to school and most of your assignments were done from Cole's notes? I remember I went to school with this kid. We were teamed up and we were supposed to do a book report in grade eight and I actually read the book. He read the back cover and the chapter titles, and when he got his mark back, he got a better grade than I did, who actually read the book. Don't do that if you're a student. It worked out for him, but trust me, it won't always work out that way. But in general, in life, shortcuts do not always get you to the place that you think they will. When you try to You know, cut through a line. You know, there's this example, actually, that I think is really funny. I saw it on uh, Mr. Bean. Who here likes Mr. Bean? I saw an episode of Mr. Bean once where he somehow got his hand stuck inside, like, a tin kettle. And so he's going to the doctor to get his hand removed from this kettle. And he walks in, and there's a big lineup of people and he's like super frustrated. He's getting really antsy. He's like, why is this line taking so long? And there's this little girl in front of him holding a doll, and he grabs the doll and throws her across the room, and the little kid starts crying and chasing after the doll, and the mom didn't, that didn't see what happens goes chasing after his girl. Oh, one last person in line, and he's super happy, and then the person in front of him, he, he reaches over and he pinches the guy's butt just ahead of him, and the guy turns around, and they get into a fight, and then he moves up and takes their spot, and he slowly moves his way doing just ridiculous things, getting people out of the line so he can get to the front of the line. And then he gets to the front of the line, he has to take a ticket. And he looks at his ticket, and it's a really high number. And then he looks at the little box with the red numbers, and it's a really low number. And he gets really frustrated, so he goes, and he ends up chasing down an old man that's trying to get to his seat, and gets to the seat first, and is all excited, and everyone in the room's looking at him like, really? And he's sitting there, and there's this lady next to him that's, like, in a full-body cast. Like, she's just literally, like, like arms, legs. And in the end of her fingers is her ticket. And he happens to glance over and see that her ticket is way lower in number than his. And so he swaps her tickets. And he's feeling pretty proud. She's like, mm-hmm. she can't do anything about it because she's just completely, del- you know, debilitated. And... But all these things keep happening. Every time he tries to do something to manipulate his way to the front of the line, something else ends up happening that puts him even farther back in line to the point that he notices that his number, say, is 99, and it's at 65, and he goes and takes the box and flips it over so it'll look like 66. So When the lady comes out, she'll be like, number 66, and he can be, ooh, it's mine. And everything he does, it just doesn't work. You know, sometimes... Our spiritual life is like that. We want to progress faster than God is actually taking us. And it can be difficult to have to wait. It can be difficult to wait on some of those promises of God that we sung about this morning. There's things that we're waiting for God to do. And sometimes there's things, I think, in our life, in our heart, that he's wanting to show us and develop in us in that journey while we're waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard that expression, waiting for paint to dry, or watching the iceberg melt, or watching grass grow. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever set up a lawn chair in your backyard after you mowed and see how long it would take before you'd have to mow it again? You could try, but you know what, grass grows so slowly that we can't even sometimes see the growth but after a couple of days, you come home and all of a sudden you notice that your yard needs to be mowed again. It's an amazing thing. Sometimes that's what our spiritual growth is like. God is doing something inside of us, in our heart, and we can't always see it. And sometimes people around us can't always see it because the work that God initiates first is always an inward work that then begins to manifest outwardly. But sometimes what we try to do is we try to manifest the appearance of spiritual growth outwardly when that work has not been completed in our heart. And then there becomes a discrepancy sometimes between what we present to the world and what we actually experience and know to be true and where we are in our life. And it's an impossible way to live. Eventually, those dominoes are gonna come crashing down. You know, there was a video montage that I saw of a dad who took a picture of his daughter every morning before school, like every single morning. And I can't remember if he made a video too or just a picture, and when she graduated, he created this, video, this montage of all these clips from every single day of her school life from the time she was in kindergarten all the way through till her graduation. And day by day, there wasn't a huge change in her. But as, as time sped on and as the months went by and the months turned into years, All of a sudden, you could see this huge progress in this little girl. You know, an amazing promise that we have in the Word of God is that when God starts something within us, he's going to finish it. And when you choose to follow Jesus and pursue him and have a relationship with God, he's going to work in your heart. And like we sung about this morning, he's going to work even when we can't see it. He's always working. He's always prompting. The Spirit is moving. And our job is to align our life with what God is prompting us and moving in our lives, to align with that. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I'm sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Now, us in our modern world, we're so obsessed with speed. You know, not just the movie Speed, where you know, we're always trying to find the fast track. We're always trying to find the shortcut, the quick fix. You know, we'll follow extreme exercise routines and diet fads to lose weight fast. I haven't tried one lately. all <laughs> she'd know. We want the big box store solution. You know, with a one-stop shop where all of our problems can be fixed all at once. You know, we'll seek out a speaker, a conference, or an event hoping that it will somehow help us to overcome all the obstacles in our life. But the truth is, growth is a gradual process. And it's never the result of any one experience. You know, it's a a collection of life experiences that all together form us and shape us. And that's why it's not good enough to just have one encounter with God. We need to be interacting and having a relationship with God every day. You know, and sometimes, you know, I think as Christians, we confuse our testimony. We think that our testimony is our life story from the time we were a child, and we talk about all the hard things that ever happened in our life until the point that we met Jesus. We think that is our story, our God's story, our testimony. But our testimony is so much more than that. It's what God did in your life today. It's what God did in your life this morning. It's what he did yesterday and the day before And the realization that God is with us and is working in our lives every day and he's faithful and acknowledging and inviting him into the everyday, ordinary parts of our life. And we realize that God's, our testimony is literally, it's ever growing and expanding and evolving as we continue to put our faith and trust in Jesus and follow him faithfully we no longer have to just default back to our original testimony story, but we have so many stories every day of God's faithfulness in our lives that we can share with others. And spiritual growth is a gradual process. God might begin something new in your heart at an event, at a conference, in a church service like this morning, but you still have to walk it out over time. And have you ever tried to take a shortcut that didn't work out? You know, um, like the Mr. Bean thing. I know I have. I like shortcuts. And sometimes I just like to take a shortcut just because I've never seen that road before. It drives me crazy. I'll be driving and I'll be like, did you know there was an alley there? And I'll just turn up the alley. And she's like, what are we doing? We're going here. And I'm like, aren't you curious what's at the end of this alley? And she's like, no, I'm not at all. I I don't care. One iota. (laughs) But I do care about getting to this place that we're going to. You know, God has chosen to develop us and sanctify us over time. You know, God could have made it an instantaneous process, but he didn't. You know, it's a process that we go through with God. And this process of spiritual growth and maturity, you know, it's how our is developed. It's how we learn to trust God. It's how we realize that God is truly faithful. Is how we attain a deeper relationship with God so that our lives will actually bear fruit. God began a work in you, and he's going to complete it. I love this picture. Nothing like stairs. You know, I just recently got an Apple Watch. Where you got it for me for my birthday. And you can set the little workout things, and one of them is, is a steps exercise. I haven't done one yet, or else uh, maybe I'd have, my watch would say something about it. But I know that's just nonsense. I don't know why I'm bringing that up. But the Christian walk, it's like any race, any, any journey. It starts when you take your first step. You know, last week I spoke about how the Bible in the New Testament a lot talks about the Christian journey as a race. And, you know, sometimes it feels like a race. Sometimes our spiritual walk we'll feel like a tube ride down a river. God's just taken us, we're, and we're happy to be there. But other times, it's gonna feel like you're climbing the Calgary Tower, or the CN Tower, because the elevator's broken, you need to get to the top, because you have a meeting. And you're in your nice clothes, and you're meeting someone important, and you don't want to be sweaty when you get there like I am right now. Sometimes the journey is hard work, Sometimes it's not easy flowing, you know. But the important thing is that we begin, that we take our first step, and that, like I said, that Mark Batterson quote: "That even if we can't see where the next third, fourth, fifth step is, that we in faith continue to take the next step, and the next step, in alignment with God's word and what the Spirit is is calling us to do." Your God has called the church, which is you and me, to preach the gospel to the world, telling every tribe and nation about the Son of God who came and died for them. Jesus came, the Bible says, to reconcile us back into a perfect relationship with God. Our goal is to love others and to share the message of the gospel with effectiveness. We can't save people, only God does. What God requires of us, however, is to be obedient to his word, to love others, to share our faith with them while trusting him with the results. We can help our friends, our family, our neighbors set up at the start line, but only God can help somebody cross that start line and enter the race. But once that person has crossed that line, We're called as a church, as a community, as as the body of Christ to journey with that person. You know, this is discipleship, teaching someone what we know about God and what it means to follow him. You know, by this definition of discipleship, discipleship doesn't have to even start once somebody's crossed the line. You can start it way before that. You can start teaching somebody about what you know about God and the relationship that you have with God way before they ever choose to make a decision, That's called evangelism. It's called, and you know what? You can start discipling someone before they're even saved. Did you know that? You can start informing them about what the truth is, about what God's done in your life. You can share what he did yesterday, the day before. Maybe it is starting at the beginning of your story, but it doesn't have to be. You know, one of the greatest ways that God develops and grows us and matures us is by helping us walk alongside somebody who's not been in the journey as long as us. There's nothing that's going to make you more like a disciple than someone who disciples someone else. And the more that you disciple and train and teach up someone else, the more you're going to learn about yourself, the more you're going to learn about God, and more importantly, you're going to learn a lot of things that you thought you knew about God but really didn't. Do you ever have somebody ask you a question that you don't know how to answer? How do you respond when someone asks you a question about your faith or about God? Do you feel like a silly person because you don't know the answer? That if you're really a good Christian, you would have all those answers that everybody would, would ever want to ask you? Sometimes it could seem that way because it might prevent us from actually sharing our faith because we don't want someone to ask us a question that we can't answer because we don't want to feel dumb. But the truth is, When you view sharing your faith through the lens of discipleship, when someone asks you a question that you don't know, the response is, I don't know. Let's go find out together. Let's go seek out the answer to that question that you have about God, because I know there's an answer that will satisfy you. So discipleship is teaching someone what you know about God and teaching them what it means to follow God and leading by example one of the greatest ways that we grow is by doing that. You know, our mission here at Coley Community Church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We we'll share God's love everywhere. You know, God loves people. God did not send his son into the world just to start a weekly church service. Did you know that? That wasn't his main goal. Jesus stated his purpose for coming to the earth, and he said it was to save and to seek the lost. The stated purpose and mission that he gave to the church was to go into all the world preaching the gospel and making disciples. Sunday service and weekly small groups and ministries are there to help encourage us, equip us, be effective and fruitful in our lives as we grow together and live life together. They're an important tool that we have to help us grow and to grow in our faith and to journey and worship God together, which is very, very important but it's not the end goal. The end goal is not to get butts in seat on Sunday morning. The end goal is to make disciples, is to, is to help develop people and, re, and help them to understand that they can then disciple someone else, that they can share their faith effectively with someone and show them what it means to follow Jesus. God loves broken and sinful people. His desire is that no one should perish, the Bible says. That all of us would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and receive eternal life. And Jesus' love for the broken people of this world led his critics to name him, nickname him, the friend of sinners. Do we love what Jesus loves? Do we love who Jesus loves? Do we have a burden and a love for the lost? for those that don't know him? Are we willing to sacrifice to make our spiritual life only exclusive to us and about us? Or are we willing to follow Jesus' example and reach out and love and care for others? Because if we're unwilling to do that, we don't look anything like him, do we? Jesus, when people were like, oh, where's Jesus? If he wasn't in the temple, meeting with his father, especially once he started his ministry, he'd be down somewhere, probably in the pub, chatting with the local guys, honestly. The places that he would go, the homes that he would go into and share meals with with people, were offensive to the religious people of that day, who did everything they could to separate themselves from that which was unclean and unpure. But Jesus entered in, he who is holy, he who is perfect, he who is 100% clean, came into a dark and broken world, he who is the light of the world. And an amazing thing happened. The things that normally would come in contact with people and make them unclean, when he came in contact with unclean things, he made them clean. That's what the holiness of God does. It can kill you. But when Jesus touches you, he cleanses your heart. He makes you new. I have nothing in my notes about holiness. So I'm gonna continue on. The point that I wanna make here is that God has called us all, as followers of Jesus, to be ministers of the gospel. It's not just something for people that have a job title like Pastor Hayward and myself, but we're all been called to share the message of Jesus. And to love people by the Holy Spirit. You know, this triangle here, it's, it's one of our tokens. It's one of our, it's something that illustrates our vision of how we're going to accomplish sharing God's love and leading people to Jesus. And it starts with Christ, church, and community in the corners. So first and foremost, we're all about inviting people into a relationship with Jesus But we know that if if people are gonna be successful in their walk, they need to do it in community with others. We need to be discipling people. And that's the church part. That's us coming together to worship God, to walk alongside one another, to encourage one another in the faith. And then the community part is reaching out, being on mission, doing what God has called us to do, which is make disciples, to preach the gospel. And it sounds really complicated, but really it's just sharing about what God's done in your life. You know, first, the Christ bit, you know, it's, it's where we begin. And it's a journey worth taking somebody else on, is meeting the person of Jesus and showing them how he can radically transform your life. You know, we have the responsibility as Christians not only to make disciples but to also be discipled. There will never be a time in your walk Where you'll have reached the pinnacle of your spiritual walk where there won't God will not use somebody to speak into your life. There will never be a moment, no matter how much you've read the Word of God, that God will not speak to you and show you something new in His living word. That we're all in process, we're all in this journey, and we're all at different places in that journey. And we must all remain students as well as teachers. As we invest in the spiritual lives of others, we need to always be having people pouring into our lives. You know, this morning, if you desire to be used by God to reach your friends, your family, and your neighbors with the love of Christ, it starts with your heart. If you don't love people and desire to see them saved from an eternity without God, then it doesn't matter how well you know your scripture. It doesn't matter what evangelistic method you utilize, you won't have effectiveness if you don't love people. If the love of God for the lost is not deposited into your heart by the Holy Spirit, you'll just be going through the motions. You know, there's a saying that I once heard that says you have to love a soul to win a soul. You know, you won't be motivated to share God's love if you don't first have the love of God in you for the person that needs to hear it and experience it. You know, the first step this morning to make room in your heart for those who are not saved, those in our lives who don't know Jesus, and those who we interact with every day in our community, you know, is to pray and to ask God to give you a heart for the lost. Because he has a desperate heart for the lost. He wants to be with them. He wants to see them be made whole and find wholeness in him to be healed You know, Paul, when talking to the Philippians, he wrote, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will be keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Jesus Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteousness, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. You know, we have called, been called to be a light on the hill. You know, whenever I picture a light on the hill, I picture that light in the window from the riverbed. <laughs> when you're in desperate need of help and you see a light on a hill, you want to run to it. You know, it's no fun, fun to be lost in the wilderness, especially in the dark, I know, I've tried it once, but that is why our hope is at CLCC, that this becomes a safe place for people to come to, that when, pe- when people are hurting, when they're lost and broken, that, they'll, that this building will be like a refuge to them, and that they will meet the people of God. They will encounter the presence of God. They will feel loved, and they'll be discipled. I don't remember what the origin of this quote is, but I think it was from a movie that says, why do you try so hard to fit in when you were born to stand out? Is that from Spider-Man? It might be. I couldn't remember. But as Christians, we are called to stand out. We're not called just to blend in with the world, to blend in with society. We were called to stand out. We were meant to be different than the world around us, to be set apart for the things of God to live lives for the glory of God. We do this best when we extend the love of God to those around us. As leaders in the church, you know the pastoral staff, the pastor's council, you know we don't take our responsibility lightly about leading you, but we desire to equip you with all the resources that we can to help strengthen your personal relationship with God, to grow within our Christian community, and to learn what it means to be a disciple and to disciple. We want you to be effective and fruitful in whatever ministry God's called you to. And we realize that discipleship needs to happen outside of these four walls as well, in our homes, in our families, in the community. And I believe some of our greatest opportunities to see God move are in the everyday, ordinary moments of our lives. You know, when we're at the park, when we're at work, when we're in our living rooms, in our kitchens, sitting around our dinner tables. And that is why we've decided to invest in a new resource that's gonna help our church to grow in knowledge and understanding of the Word of God, to inspire Future Connect groups, and to better equip us all as leaders. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.